Our scripture today is from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. You can follow along in your bulletin. Hear the word of the Lord. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the, the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. The word of God. Thanks, Aaron. Let's pray together. Our Father, we um, thank you that as we just sing about together, that you hold us fast. Um, Lord, that's true. Whether we're um, feeling stagnant today, whether we feel like we're falling, um, whether we feel like we're running towards you, um, you're the one who's holding us. And uh, we confess it's hard to believe uh, when we're doing well. We often think that we're the ones who are ultimately responsible. Um, and when we're not doing well, or if we're stagnant and, and just stuck, we can. Um, it's hard to believe you're there as well and that you have us. Uh, but thank you that, that you do. And um, part of the way we can know that is that you tell us that about yourself and your word. And so... Um, as we turn to it now, we ask that you'd open our eyes and our hearts to it and help us to see exactly what you want us to see this morning. Um, I pray that as I preach it, I'd be able to believe what I'm talking about 
And I pray for all of us that ultimately, um, as a result of this time now, we would be transformed, that we would know you and and love you a little bit more, maybe a lot more. Uh, We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you're here last week, you know that we just started a new series, a new sermon series, where we're looking at the life of Moses, primarily in the book of Exodus. And we said we're doing this series because Moses is a very important figure in the Bible, and the story of the Exodus is a very important story in the Bible. It uh, tells us a lot about who God is and how he relates to his people. Um, Even more than that, it tells us a lot about the gospel and about what God's done for us in Jesus Christ. And so we said that's part of the reason we're doing this series, but we also said we're doing this because as we look at the story of Moses's life and the story of the Exodus in general, it actually helps you and I learn more about our own stories. And today, uh, we're going to look at this passage Aaron just read for us, um, Moses's call. This is God calling Moses to be the deliverer for his people, to lead his, his people out of Egypt, where they've been enslaved for, for so many years. And so it's this huge and massive calling, right? And, and what's so relevant for us as we think about how Moses's story helps us think about our own story is... Moses is so overwhelmed by this, right? He feels so in over his head. Look again at what he says in verse 11. After God tells him that he wants him to do this, he says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And that's so relevant because don't you feel like that a lot? And I know there's a falsely humble way to say something like this, like, Oh, well, who am I who could ever do that? But really in your head, you're like, yeah, I got that, right? I, 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 my mind always goes to when I think about something like this, like um, Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, when he's asked to play the jazz flute, and he's like, I'm, I'm totally unprepared as he pulls it out of his sleeve, and then it, you know, gets everybody ready. Hey, you ready? That's what I think of, right? And so there is a way to say it like this, but, but that, that's clearly not what this is. Like, and don't you feel like this a lot? overwhelmed, in over your head by something you've got to do, a situation God's calling you into, something you don't feel prepared for, something you feel so inadequate to do. I I know I'm I'm here a lot, and maybe I'm just a more insecure person. I don't know. But I I love this passage because we see how, we get to see how God meets Moses here. What he does to meet him in this place, how he prepares him for what he's calling him to do, even in the middle of him being terrified about it and feeling so overwhelmed. And what we can see in this sermon today is he, he does this by showing him who he is. That's his strategy. He shows Moses who he is. He gives him a fresh, fresh vision of who he is. And, and so we're going to look at that, what he shows Moses about who he is. And we're going to see three things as we do, three things he shows Moses and that he shows us to prepare us for the things he's calling us to do, especially the things that we feel really overwhelmed about. And so we're going to see these three things that he shows us, that first, he's powerful, second, that he's personal, and then finally, that he's present. So those three things, so let's jump in and look at it. So first, he's powerful, and this is where God starts as he begins to get Moses ready for this calling. And it's the first thing that jumps out to us from this really strange incident with the burning bush here. But before we get to that, where is Moses at this point? Because this is another big fast forward in the story from where we left him last time. 
at the end of chapter two. And so when we left Moses, he'd just gone off the rails and he'd murdered an Egyptian for wrongly beating one of the Hebrew people. And then he got found out and he ran away. He got out of town, landed in a place called Midian. And we didn't cover this last time, but he ended up getting married and settling down there and working for his father-in-law as a shepherd. And this is what he's been doing for a long time. It's been another 40 years. And so when this happens, this is just in some sense like another ordinary day at the office, right? Another day, ordinary day out in the wilderness, tending to his sheep. When this happens, verse two tells us, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. So it's really strange, He's doing his thing, he sees this bush, it's on fire, like there are flames, it's hot, but it's not burning, it's not being consumed. But then it gets even stranger when verse four tells us that when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then after all this, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And so Moses begins with intrigue. He's he's shepherding. He sees this bush. What in the world is going on? Let me go look at this. But as God speaks to him, he stops being worried about the bush anymore. And what happens is he gets afraid and he covers his face. It's the only thing he can do. And why? Well, in the Bible, and as we'll see throughout the book of Exodus, fire is associated with the presence of God and specifically with the presence of God's holiness. And all throughout the scriptures, when the holiness of God shows up, this is what happens. Just like what happens to Moses. People get afraid and they start covering their faces. It's what what happens with fallen human people like Moses. And it's even what happens when in Isaiah chapter 6, when the sinless seraphim in this throne room scene behold the glory of God, they cover their faces too. And this is the right response. Because later in the story, when Moses asks God to show him his glory, God tells him he can't. He can't show him all of it because he wouldn't be able to handle it. Exodus 33, 20 But he said, God says, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And now this is a very imperfect illustration, I'll admit that. But I think about this sometimes like when I'm driving and the sun comes, hits you like through your windshield at this angle where like you literally can't see anything, right? And you just have to like try to block it with your hands. You throw the the visor in your car in front of it. This used to happen to me all the time. When I would go to work in our old neighborhood, I'd, I'd drive up the hill and so many mornings based off just the time and where the sun would come up, like it would nail me and I would, I would almost have to just like stop and pull over, right? It was just like too powerful. And you compare that to the glory of God, the Bible says that it's so bright, it shines so bright that one day it's actually going to replace the sun. And this, this shows us that God's holiness is, is much more than a perfect record of morality. I mean, that's kind of what we think about when we hear holiness. And it's not, it's not less than that. God is morally perfect. But a, a list of perfect morality doesn't make you hide your face. 
And so God's holiness is so much more than that. And it's, it's really hard to put in words, but theologians talk about it as sort of his otherness or his separateness from us. And that's what causes this kind of response, especially from people like us who, who aren't anywhere close to having a perfect moral record. And in that same Isaiah 6 passage I referenced, when the prophet Isaiah comes face to face with God's holiness, he says this in Isaiah 6, 5, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And he literally says, I've come undone. Like Just seeing this, I'm undone by it. This is a really interesting place to start for God to start with Moses. Especially when you think about where he is and where his head's probably at right now. Because he's probably not at like peak confidence level in himself at this point with how his life has gone. Think about it. He's gone from a young man who's in the prime of his life, living in great power and privilege in Egypt. He had every opportunity ahead of him. And now here he is. He's 80 years old. He's working as a shepherd, which was a, a career that, according to Joseph in the book of Genesis, was, was absolutely a career that was absolutely despised by people in the Egyptian culture, a culture which Moses grew up in. And not only that, but it's, it's not even his own thing. He's working for his father-in-law, right? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it could be. And we're not told, so we have to use our imaginations a little bit, but it's hard not to imagine this is a man with a lot of shame. This is someone with a, a great sense of regret, probably failure, as he, think about, as he thinks about how his life has gone. So it's interesting God starts here to this man who's, who's we could already describe as overwhelmed and feeling inadequate. Because God comes to this guy in this place and he begins to get him ready for this task by showing him he actually doesn't feel overwhelmed and inadequate enough. And why does he do that? Well, if you think about our insecurity, our fears, feeling overwhelmed, when I think about all that for me, the issue is I'm afraid that I can't do this thing. I'm afraid that I'm not up for it, whatever it is. But at its root is the idea that I should be able to do it, right? An idea that if I was just a little bit better or stronger or smarter or more competent, then I would, and I'm insecure, and I'm afraid because I think I'm not as good or as smart or as strong as comp or as competent as I should be. But it's all still about me. And see, God here begins with Moses to show him, you need to get rid of that premise altogether. Because even your fear and your anxiety or your insecurity show you you're not seeing things as they really are. Because it's not actually about you. And it's not supposed to be about you. It's about me. It's about my power. It's about my holiness. It's about my glory. And before you can do anything for me, you have to know that. You have to hide your face. You have to fear a little, feel a little bit of fear and trepidation. You have to take off your shoes and recognize you're on holy ground. You have to be undone. And so this is where God starts with Moses. He starts by showing him, hey, this is how powerful I am. Here's my power. But that's not all. He doesn't only undo us. He also puts us back together. He doesn't only show us he's powerful, but then second, he also shows us he's personal. And we get to see that here in this story 
too. And you see it even in the burning bush. I mean, like I said, this is about his holiness, but God also calls to Moses from it. He calls him by name. He says, Moses, Moses. And also think about this, this consuming fire of God's holiness doesn't consume Moses. And so you see it there, but you really see it in verses 7 through 11. And so first, listen to what God tells Moses about his people. Verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. He says, I've seen I've heard, I know, and this isn't a know like I know about intellectually. This is, a, this is an intimate know, like, like I feel it. I know it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down. And essentially he says, I'm not the kind of God who watches from the press box. I'm the kind of God who comes down and who gets in the game. I'm not the kind of God who stays in heaven and who lobs down advice, but I'm the kind of God who rolls up my sleeves and comes, get, comes and gets my hands dirty. At one of Sarah and I's favorite restaurants we like to walk to with the kids, almost every time we go to dinner there, the owner of the restaurant is there. And this is a guy who owns multiple restaurants, so clearly a successful person. Not the type of person you'd expect to be like busting your tables and getting you silverware and, and special cups and plates for the kids and things like that. Kind of somebody you'd expect to be just sort of off to the side, maybe in an office somewhere who, who stops in and kind of looks around and takes some notes and offers some feedback, you know, to a supervisor or, or some of the other employees. But every time we go, this guy's there and that's not what he's doing. He's doing exactly what you wouldn't expect. Like he, he's, he's, he's in the mix. And when we roll up, we're always, we always come in like a big double stroller. We can barely get through the door and the place isn't that big. So our presence is always felt. And we almost always spill something. We need like special yeah, plates and cups and things like that. And, and this guy's always there. And he's always the one who helps us do all those things. He even like cleans up our messes when we spill stuff. And every time Sarah and I leave, we talk about this. We're blown away. We're like, that guy's amazing. I can't believe he does all that. And see, when you experience something like that, it always moves you. When somebody important condescends when they come down and they get in the mix when they don't have to and what God is saying here is as holy and as separate as I am from you and I really am that's exactly what I do I see I hear I know where you are and so I'm coming down and I'm going to get in the mix with you I'm that personal and so you see it there and then look how he deals with Moses so verse 10, after he tells him what he's going to do, he says this. He says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And I love this. This is kind of one of the all-time, hey, listen, I got this great idea for what's going to happen or what we're going to do. And you kind of lay out the whole plan. And then at the end you say, and you're the one who's going to do it. That's kind of what God does here. To Moses, and as we saw, Moses responds like this in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I 
that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, and so how do we see God being personal here? Well, you see it in him choosing Moses to do this, no doubt. You see it there after just who he's been, the ways he's failed and all that he's gone through. But what stood out to me so much is how tender and kind God is with Moses because he lets him be honest with him. Right? He, he lets him tell him he's overwhelmed that he's afraid. And you see that a little bit here, but especially, uh, we'll see it next week for sure, even more. He essentially goes on to tell him, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and remember who this is that Moses is talking about. I mean, picture your boss coming to you or, or, or better, your boss's boss or even your boss's boss's boss coming to you, asking you to do something, asking you to lead some project or initiative or some big meeting at work. And maybe you do have a boss like this, and I'm sure some of you are really good bosses like this, but for the most part, could you respond like Moses does? Could you tell your boss that you're afraid, that you don't feel up to it, that you don't want to? Probably not, and so what do you do? Even if, even if you are afraid, you, say, you smile and say, yeah, I got it, all right, I'm on it. But internally, you're freaking out. <laughs> Right? And you're not honest, why? Because if you, if you were, you'd, you'd probably get passed over. It'd be bad for your career. See, God runs the whole universe. He's in charge of everything, but that's not what he's like at all. He says, yeah, that's okay. You can tell me. You can come to me with your fears, with your inadequacies. You can even tell me you don't want to do it. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to hide. I already know where you are. That's not the reason I'm calling you to this anyway. He's so personal. And so God first overwhelms the already overwhelmed with his power. Then he moves close to show us how personal he is. And this brings us to the climax of the story. And the last thing we see about how he prepares us for these things. This is, and this is really the key to it. So he says, yes, I'm powerful. Yes, I'm personal. But the way you can, you can do these things you're afraid of is that as this powerful, personal God I'm present with you. I'm with you. And so God says to Moses here, here's what I want you to do. Moses says, but who am I? How does God respond to that? Verse 12, but he said, he said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God says to Moses, I will be with you. I'm gonna be with you. And then he gives him this name that drives this point home. And so Moses then comes back and asks him in verse 13, if the people come to me, if the people of Israel, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And now there's so much we could go into here about his name, speaking of being overwhelmed. It was overwhelming trying to figure out how to not preach a whole nother sermon here. Um, I don't want to do that, and I'm not going to do that. But there's just so much here. So I'm just going to give a, fruit, a few brief highlights. So this is God's personal name. 
Like the way that my name is Aaron, this is God's name he gives here. God is a title. This is his name. It's I am. And we actually don't know how to pronounce it. We typically say Yahweh. You may have heard that. And the way you can tell when this name shows up in your English Old Testament Bible is it's when the Lord is in all caps. And again, brief summary here, but here's what I found most helpful about this, especially in regards to what God wants Moses to do in this moment and what what he wants his people to know about him when they ask, who is this? And it's these two things. First, that God is free. That he's free, that nobody defines God. Nobody can put any bounds on God. He's free to do whatever he wants to do. He says, I am who I am. I set the course for that. Nobody can define me. Nobody can put me in a box. And then second, the second thing is, it also means he's true, that he's consistent, meaning I'm not bound by anybody, their expectations and what they want me to do. But when I say I'm going to do something, and when I say I'm going to be a certain way, and when I'm going to act a certain way, I am bound by that, and I am going to do that. And so this can also mean I have been who I always have been, or I will be who I will be. And so God's saying to Moses, Moses, I will be with you, and here's who's with you. The God who can do whatever I want, and the God who wants to use you to rescue my people. And that's the point. It's like the point isn't you. I mean, did you notice that when Moses asks, who am I, that God doesn't even answer his question? He doesn't even acknowledge it. And one commentator I read pointed out that he also doesn't do what you and I would probably do and often do in situations like this, that if somebody said something like this, like, who am I? We would come back and say, oh no, don't be so hard on yourself. You can do it. Like God doesn't do that either. He basically says to Moses, yeah, you can't do it, (laughs) but I can, and I will be with you. And that's what this is about. And, And this is so different, I know, from the way I think about it. And I think, I think God needs to make me adequate. Like that, that's his goal. For me to become strong enough, competent enough, adequate enough, then I, then I won't be overwhelmed anymore and feel like I'm in over my head. But that's not, that's not what he does. His training program isn't actually about us. It's about him. It's not about our strength and, abil- and ability. It's about the I am who's with us. And that's what this whole scene is about. That's what God's trying to teach Moses through this burning bush encounter. He wanted this to be something he could look back on as he went forward into this great mission when he wasn't feeling adequate, when he didn't think he was up to the task. He wanted him to be able to look back on this and remember that this is who God is. Yes, this this is who's with me. And yeah, I don't have it, but he does. And he's not gonna leave me. He's the I am and he's gonna go and be with me all the way. And if only we had something like this. I mean, don't you wish we had something like this? Something you and I could look back on when we're feeling in over our head? A scene that showed us just how powerful and personal and present God is? Well, many years later, you know, there was this other guy who showed up and who also told some Hebrew religious leaders that his name was I am. John 8, verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
before Abraham was, I am. And throughout the New Testament, the, the writers of the New Testament, obviously they call Jesus, Jesus. They call him Jesus Christ, but they often call him the Lord Jesus Christ. And God told Moses, he saw, he heard, he knew, so he came down in the burning bush, but Jesus Christ came down as a person. He rolled up his sleeves and got all the way down. And when he finished doing everything that he came to do to rescue us, Jesus also told his disciples before sending them out into something that was ridiculously over their head, this in Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we don't know for certain, but most of the commentators I read on this passage actually think this is who showed up here in the burning bush. And we haven't talked about it yet, but verse two says the angel of the Lord appears to Moses. And, and people don't think this was Jesus in the flesh, like he showed up years later, but this was like a, a pre-incarnation version of him. And you know, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? how Moses wasn't consumed by this holy fire, how he can experience here the personal love and care of this all-powerful God and how he can be with him even as broken and sinful as Moses was. Why? Because when Jesus Christ did come down in the flesh and went to the cross, you could say he was, he was consumed by the holiness of God. That though he was perfect and sinless, he became undone for Moses back then and for you and me today, for all of God's people. See, Moses did have an amazing thing to look back on, but we actually have something a lot better. He had this bush, we have the cross. The cross is the greatest definition of who God is. It's where we see clearer than anywhere else who God is, what he's about, and how he feels about us. It's where we see his power, right? His holiness that had to come down that had to be paid for. And it's where we see how personal he is, that, that Jesus did come down and he did take that on for us in our place. And he gives us his perfect record of holiness all so that God can be present with us in an even greater way. And so what? What's the point? Well, are you overwhelmed this morning? Are you today in the middle of something that's got you feeling way in over your head? Are you even maybe dreading this week because there's something that's waiting for you? A hard conversation you've got to have? Something difficult at work? A loss you're walking through? A meeting or an appointment that you're dreading? What do you need to do if that's what you got? How do you get ready for that? How do you prepare yourself? Well, you look here. Instead of focusing on your situation, on your ability to, to rise to the occasion and meet that, whatever it is, look at who God is. Look at who we see him to be in this passage with Moses, but more, look at who we see him to be at the cross. Look at Jesus and let him overwhelm you with how powerful and personal and present he is. I don't know if you've been following the Aaron Rodgers' saga of him trying to figure out what he's going to do in the next phase of his career. This is the Green Bay Packers star quarterback. Um, but he's been talking about him going on this like darkness retreat. That's what he's calling it. And he said that he wanted to do it, quote, to help 
have a better sense of where I'm at in my life. And it was sort of a big story this week when he came out of his darkness time. And uh, I don't know, I don't think he's chosen anything yet, not that I know of. But I, I hope this was helpful for him. I don't know what he was trying to encounter or who he was trying to encounter as he did this. But this is where you and I need to go. We come to encounter this God. This God who tells us in our fears, in our inadequacies, in our sense of, of being overwhelmed, like, I see, I see you. I hear you. I know you. And I love you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this passage and these promises. Thank you that you are this unbelievable, powerfully yet personal and present God and that we get to see that perfectly in Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that um, these truths that are too great for me to be able to explain that well and for us to be able to grasp with our minds that you would impress them upon our hearts so that we would uh, have a deep sense of um, confidence in you that we wouldn't have to keep looking to ourselves to figure out if we're strong enough or good enough, um, but we can simply know that you are and that's all we need. Help us, we pray, for your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen.